Greetings, football nostalgia lovers. Welcome to the Football Attic Podcast 15 with me, Chris Oakley. Oh, and me, Rich Johnson. Hiya. <laughs> yes, jolly good. Nice to know that you're there. I am. Um, <laughs> jolly good. And now, if you like your football played by men wearing black boots, then you've really come to the right place because the Football Attic is here to remind you of a time when the beautiful game was exactly that. Uh, This is the podcast where we don't so much stand against modern football as flick it behind the ear and tell it to clear off. Uh, Over the next hour or so, (laughs) it's the best I could do at short notice. Um, (laughs) Over the next hour or so, you're going to be treated to uh, a discussion filled with memories, fun and long forgotten joys from the world of football nostalgia. More of which shortly, but for now, let's bid a warm Happy New Year to my football attic partner, Rich. How's things with you? It's all right. Yay, New Year. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I did that last year, didn't I? <coughs> yes. Excuse me. New script. <clears throat> um, I'm a little bit bunged up. I think and I that. have a bit of a Christmas cold. Um, no, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. It's nice. I think this is about, what, it's about five months since we recorded the last podcast. I don't know. Seems a long time. No, well, it's, uh, was it October, I suppose? I think so. That was the um, the, the, the football kit special with uh, John and... Jay. Uh, Jay. Jay. That's right, <laughs> Yeah. Jay. 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 That's of right. Design football and um and John from True Colours Football. Yeah. Uh, True Indeed. Colours Football Kits, yes. <coughs> Excellent. Excuse me again. Jolly good. <coughs> yeah, no, I'm well. I'm good. And uh, I'm having a nice Christmas break. I, I don't go back to work till Monday, so I've had a nice two weeks off. And yourself? Actually, yeah. <laughs> You're having a nice kind of enforced break at the moment, aren't you? Yes. I I am what um, actors call resting. Um, <laughs> Yes, um, well, I won't bore you with my personal circumstances. Let's talk about the football. I think uh, that's the best thing. Um, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, the topic for this particular football attic podcast is football magazines, um, and it goes without saying that uh, most of us, uh, sorry, most of our focus rather, will of course be on shoot and match. Uh, having said that, we'll do our best not to overlook some of the other well-known titles from days gone by. But uh, for the time being, Rich, first question goes to you. Quite simple, really. Um, were you a shoot fan or a match fan? Neither. Never read either of them. Moving on. <laughs> um, well, I was I was kind of both, but I was my heart lay with shoot really because that's where I started. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As anyone who's ever listened to any of these podcasts or written, uh, sorry, read anything that I've ever written, because there's always a Mexico '86 reference in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> it, my my love affair with shoot started with with the Mexico '86 review. As I happened to wander into our local news agent, I think I've covered this on a previous podcast actually. Um, <clears throat> And uh, I saw uh, a picture of, I think, Maradona holding the cup uh, and a football magazine, which at the time, obviously, as, as I was at the point, uh, very, very new to football. Um, and, and it had this fantastic review of the World Cup in it, which I was, of course, smitten with. Uh, so I bought it. And I remember it being 42 pence. That was the first shoot cool. that I ever bought. Um, and I don't really think I sort of paid much attention to match. I think my, my biggest issue I had with match at the time... <clears throat> It looked a bit staid and boring because it had a, a mm. board around the, the picture where a shoot, <laughs> shoot had like, you know, kind of borderless um, imagery on the front. And it just, yeah. I don't know, it was, I always com- sort of compared them to the BBC and ITV. Shoot was ITV <laughs> and, and Match was the BBC, although both of them carried adverts uh, for crap, usually, as we'll also cover. <laughs> Um, so yes. yeah, I, I was more of a shoot man. I think I subscribed to shoot. Uh, subscribed in the sense of have it delivered from my local newspaper, um, mm. um, and I think it took me a couple of years uh, to actually. I think I ended up with a subscription to both. 
Or it may well yep. be that I used to buy, that I used to have shoot on subscription and then I'd sort of buy match occasionally and then that occasionally would turn out to be every week. And then I think <laughs> I just gave it and had both of them delivered. Um, hmm. So yeah, so predominantly shoot really. What about you? Yeah, shoot for me really is a kind of a similar story I would say. And that was just that um, at some point I became aware of shoot um, and I see shoot, Sorry, match rather started in 1979. So, um, I mean, that's probably that's probably a couple of years before I started buying shoot. To be fair, but nonetheless, I think for whatever reason, I think shoot was just more attractive to me. I just sort of spotted it more easily on the on the shelf in the newsagents. I think I was never. I have to say, um, I was never one of those kids that had. Um, uh, like yourself, that had things sort of delivered like, to the to, to my door through my letterbox, and I've always I was always envious of people that were able to do that. But that's another story. Um, things you regret from your early life. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, shoot was always my favourite, and um, I did end up buying match occasionally, um, but not that often. I think because. Um, it always struck me as being a bit more sort of wordy, uh, trying to be a bit more sort of serious, whereas shoot was a little bit more light, lightweight. And I kind of, if I'm honest, I kind of like the kind of colour pictures and things like that in it. Like I was always attracted to the team photos and the <coughs> and the in focus thing, where you'd have a picture of a star player of some sort and and all that kind of thing. Um, ironically, when shoot started, which was in 1969, if you if you look at some of those very early issues, probably for the first couple of years or so, I would say. Um, you see that Shoot did actually try and market itself as being a serious football magazine for you know junior readers, um, which is kind of ironic, really. And that's, I'm probably being unfair because even even you know in years to come it would still have what you might call serious issues. Uh, serious issues. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got serious issues. Um, it would have serious articles rather. Um, but um, Match always seemed a little bit more, dare I say, it, sort of boring. Um, yeah. I don't know why. That's probably very unfair, but um, so so shoot was what I bought more often than not. But there's actually a kind of parallel um, story in terms of how I came to um, know what shoot was all about. And this is a, this is a story that might kind of tally up with yourself, Rich, and maybe a lot of our listeners as well. Which is that um, when I was at junior school at the age of about nine or ten, so we're going back to the early eighties here. Um, yeah, you go to school and of course you have your morning break, you have your lunch break, we go out for an hour and play around in the playground and stuff like that. And then you have your afternoon break. But if it was raining, of course what they would do is they would keep you inside because they don't want you to go outside and get soaked in the rain. Um, so, and you know, catching chills and all that kind of stuff. So um, I remember, I've, got, I've still got the image crystal clear in my head. There was one particular lunch break lunch hour when it was raining and we were in our classroom and what our teachers certainly used to do to, to keep us occupied for all that time was they would go to their stock cupboard and bring out two large cardboard boxes full of kind of comics and magazines and I can still picture to this very day one of them had loads of old issues of shoot from like the early 70s this is the early 80s I was when I was seeing this and so I'd kind of look inside this box and, and pull out a shoot magazine there are all these players with huge sideburns and <laughs> kind of football strips with no sponsors on and stuff like that and it was just like looking into like some kind of you know antique document I think, like, what, what on earth is this and of course had I known that eBay was to come I would have stuffed a few up my jumper and kept them up in the loft or something until you know for another 30 years or something until the the, the internet came around well 30 years but you know 10 15 years or whatever um but um but it was just that was kind of 
ironically around the same time as I was actually buying shoot. So I was kind of seeing current issues and I was also when it was wet at school, I was kind of getting to see these kind of old issues from probably about 1973 and all these players that were no longer playing anymore you know the likes of George Best and stuff so it was um, a bit odd really but be interested to hear if any of our listeners had the same um, experience actually I suspect that would have happened quite at quite a few schools a strange school you went to Chris <laughs> did it so did you not have that then <clears throat> I don't think we didn't have magazines we had we had games in a cupboard where I remember Escape from mm. Colditz was a great game um <laughs> But we're not here to talk about Escape from Cold. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's but, for our other <clears throat> parallel podcast that we're going to start next week. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, going back to going back to your point about shooting match. I mean, I think I've already said, but I agree. I always found match a bit too boring. It looked a bit too formal, and I preferred mm. shoots kind of. Uh, um, I don't know, sort of um, a bit more maverick style. It just it just seemed a bit mm. more exciting. Match seemed <clears throat> more. Um, keen on giving you stats i mean obviously there was the match facts thing that was uh, mm. in the middle of the the magazine um yes which was great you know and it was interesting but again it was a bit stat heavy i suppose it might have appealed <laughs> to nerds but me obviously being a super cool kid <laughs> um, yeah uh I, I yeah i wasn't really bothered about it um i mean the one thing i did like i mean because uh I mean, oh, I'll just say now, actually, uh, a huge thanks to everybody that responded um, to all oh, our yes. shout-outs on, on Twitter and Facebook. And we we have actually got enough comments to just sit back and read them all out for an hour and not talk <laughs> about it ourselves. Um, but we, we thought... We, we did contemplate do. it. <laughs> we, we did, very much. Especially this morning when I had to get up, you know, at 9 o'clock <laughs> or whatever it was I got up, which is... That's that's early. And now 9 o'clock is early. <laughs> Um, so is that uh, when I sent uh, you the email saying no anecdotes required, everything's under control <laughs> yeah exactly, Chris is just going to read them all out um, <laughs> and I think they're quite. I mean, I mean, think the immediate one that we got back up when we asked about shoot and match was everyone sort of remembered the league ladders um, which shoot, yeah. you know, I mean it kind of goes without saying really because it's like that was a huge part of, of anyone that sort of ever got shoot um, magazine, um, I don't think match ever did them, I don't know if like shoot had a copyright on them or something but what Match did do for a couple of years, um, and I've still got them, in fact, I might review them at some point, um, is they had a, it was like based around the Match stats or Match facts, whatever they were called. Hmm. They gave away a booklet at the start of the year, um, which basically had all your all the games, um, like a kind of mm-hmm. a place for the games uh, that your club had. And you'd fill in all the details at the start, and then you'd, and when each match was played you'd fill in the details of like you know the squad lineup um and i don't know if they had a space for you to put the the match facts rating or mm. or if i just did that myself because i i did that <laughs> here he goes gone about the match facts and it's like i'm <laughs> filling in the sort of like the ratings out of 10 for each player but it had like <laughs> a, a thing like that and, and you could also um i think it had like stickers which they'd release over the next few weeks um mm. and you could fill those up and i've still got mine from i think 87 88 and 88 89 uh, and they had spaces in the back for the cup competitions, but they didn't have space for the Simod Cup, which was a shame. <laughs> Although I wrote it in anyway. Why. No, exactly. The, I believe <laughs> that was the full members cup. Um, yes. And uh, I, but I filled mine in anyway because that was the year that we uh, got to the semi final and got knocked out by Reading on penalties. You know, harsh memories. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, I actually, I actually quite enjoyed that though because I used to sit there listening to the radio, listening to Mercia Sound every week. Um, with them uh, doing the match commentary, so I'd sit there and, and like fill out the team sheet and everything. God, I was a complete nerd, wasn't I? 
<laughs> this is therapy. Yeah, I was going to say, there's me going on about the fact, oh yeah, Matt's stats was way too stat heavy, and there's me filling the damn things in for them. Um, <laughs> I knew he coaxed it out of you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But I quite enjoyed that. And, and I, I mean, to be fair, I, I, I was a bit older by that point, so um, I, was, I was a whole 12, you know, very mature at 12. Um, so it was it was kind of fun because it was I suppose that was something you could do throughout the season. Results. I mean, I suppose league ladders you could as well. The problem I had with league ladders for doing them throughout the season was the fact that they being made of cardboard, they'd inevitably get really battered. And by the time you'd sort of mm. swapped the bloody tabs over a hundred times, um, the thing was starting to fall apart somewhat. Um, and, yes. and to be honest, well, it was a bit of a ball ache. I mean, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> anybody that ever actually finished the whole thing and, and moved no. every single tab that they needed to <laughs> after every single league game. I mean, that's surely just masochistic. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, listeners, if, if any of you out there actually did go a whole season and we want the truth here, let us know, because we, you'll probably... You know, we'll put you forward for the for the next Queen's you know birthday honours list or something, because you'll probably deserve <coughs> one of those. Well, I'm, I'm, assuming those that, I'm assuming that anyone that actually did that week in, week out... Is either in an asylum or is locked up for being a serial killer. So, <laughs> apologies well, if you, you are out there and you did do that and you're not a serial yeah. killer. Um, yeah. Although, you know, you might be well, we're not just gonna, in waiting yeah. and you might come and kill me. So, yeah. <laughs> and we're not going to forge you for a birthday honour either. So that's kind of balanced that out. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you said though, because <clears> um, football memorabilia um, on Twitter. Uh, also said, uh, love the shoot league ladders, um, updating the league table every week. Although those bits of cards got so worn as the season went on, so um, yeah, that was that's true. But I, I was like you, Rich. Actually, I mean, I used to always, always look out for the league ladders, and I would last no longer than a what four weeks into the season and just get bored with it. But um, um, interestingly, or, or otherwise, for me, I can remember one year. I don't know what year this would have been. I'm guessing it would have been about '84 or something. I'd, once I'd got all the sets of tabs, and that was a skill in itself, by the way, because if you missed one week, then you, you'd have to do without Division Four or something, or you know, yeah. Scottish League Division Two, which was a bit of a the, no-no. The, the, gaping, the, mis- sort of. the, the missing Stenhouse Muir fixtures. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, um, uh, but ha- having got all the all of the tabs for this one particular season, I then sort of hit upon the idea to make things a bit more interesting is that I mean okay I'm a, I'm a West Ham fan so that's I'm support, supporting West Ham who may have been in Division 2 at the time I'm guessing so I thought why don't I pick using my league ladders here why don't I pick a team to follow in each division and um, I remember I had Bournemouth in Division 4 I had Hull when they're in Division 3 I can't remember who the other ones uh, uh, there was somebody missing and that's when I uh, picked Rangers as my favorite Scottish team which has, has really you know come up trumps over the last few years <laughs> <coughs> playing the long game on that one um, well, sorry right, uh, yeah. she can have those for each of the divisions anyway <laughs> that's true yes so um, but we had a lot, lot of feedback I mean um, the first message we got when we asked on Twitter and Facebook you know about uh, have you got any comments for us about uh, that we can use in our podcast here about shoot or match or whatever um, first one we got I think pretty much was Steve Gab saying will you be doing a separate three hour show on the free league ladders you get in shoot or will they be included in this short podcast well <laughs> it's probably going to take up a lot of this podcast but um, it you know it was it's a, it was a phenomenon it still is and um, it's passed into legend of course um uh, my football fact said i love their pre-season league ladders um with color-coded tabs uh, on a sixpence says 
Uh, PlayStation Xbox technology cannot match the wonder of the league ladders. Uh, lost most of my tabs in days. Absolutely. A common um, experience there. Um, and so it goes on. Other messages as well. We had um, uh, Mighty Tractor said, you knew the season was starting when the ladders and the cardboard shirts came out. That's what Match had. Uh, Rich, you may or may uh, not know. They, they had the sort of same principle. Um, I think it came in much later, but um, instead of rectangular tabs, they were like shirts like with a pointed... With, with a point at the bottom, if that makes any sense. Just Google match cardboard shirts. <laughs> oh, that, may, that may not get you nearer where you're looking, but um, anyway. Um, and then he said, you know, duly arranged in prediction order, and that's absolutely right. That's, I think that's something I did as well. While you were waiting for the season to start, you would actually put the teams in how you thought they'd finish. And then you wouldn't write those down, and you'd forget what positions they were in. I've just, I've just read while we were scanning through those, because... Uh... I'll just point out that Chris has actually really helpfully arranged put all of your comments into a document, and I'm just scanning through them. I missed this one when it actually cropped up, though. Darren Banks, uh, MCFC Darren 1971 on Twitter, um, has yes. a great uh, comment here. Says, was a regular <laughs> buyer from 1979 to 87. As a kid, basically, wonderful publications. Have to say, shoot is my favourite. Love the focus section and the league ladders. And then he's put, mind you, I had an item printed in match. Uh, sorry, in Match Magazine, uh, it was a feature where you sent in if you met someone famous. I actually got Ron Atkinson's autograph while he was having a shower. <laughs> what a hideous image that creates. <laughs> it says he was at the Ron Saunders Soccer School in 1981 in Birmingham. True story. I love the fact that he's actually had to clarify that, he, you know, that it was at the Ron <laughs> yeah. Saunders Soccer School. Like, that explains the shower. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and the that, Ron your Saunders honor, Soccer is... School, famous for, famous for its showering managers. <laughs> <laughs> and that, Your Honour, is the case for the defence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, there's so much in that in that message you just read out there. I mean, for for a start, Ron Ron Saunders Soccer School. I mean, there, there's the Bobby Charlton Soccer School, and then there's the Ron Saunders Soccer School. Which one are you going to go to? <laughs> I, I'm well, I guessing Darren. I'm sorry, but showering, only the one of them's got a showering Ron Atkinson though. <laughs> Maybe that yeah, was why right. he went. Maybe it was like a kind of feature. <laughs> Come and meet Ron Atkinson in the shower. It would only happen in yeah. the seventies, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oper- Operation Tree is knocking on a few doors right now. <laughs> Great football managers of their day in the shower. Come and meet them all. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so yes, the league ladder is very popular, as you'd expect. That goes without saying. Um, absolutely. But what other um, features in match did you? Uh, sorry, in shoot rather, did you particularly like there, Rich? Um, I liked Greavesy. Uh, I think when we wrote about um, shoot and. Uh, I think, yeah, it was Shoot we covered, wasn't it, for um, Backpass magazine mm. recently. And I think one of the, the features that I went on about was um, the letters page. Or pers- well, specifically, I need to say specifically then. Shoot me. <laughs> oh, dear, yes. <laughs> one of the specific things that I mentioned was uh, Greavesy, um, or ah, Just Jim, yes. or whatever the hell it was called in those days. I think they changed the title of it quite a few times. And uh, the, one of the best bits was his Wally of the Week. Um, That's right. Basically, someone had sent in a letter and he would just ridicule them. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, you almost get the feeling they just wouldn't do that now because if they just would be too scared of, like, you know, litigation or something. But And, and I think the, the example I used in there and the one that sticks out, I think, was from was actually from the first ever issue I bought. And it's someone basically that uh, saying that Michelle Platini was uh, um, pretty useless, and the rest of the team carried him, and that he, if he played in the English league, he'd be rubbish. <laughs> and and, so, and I, I don't think Jim actually made a comment on it. I think he just literally let it speak for itself. It's, yeah. And this was straight after the World Cup, where Platini had been absolutely brilliant. You know. <clears throat> now I, I actually found that quite refreshing. I mean, I've always quite liked Jimmy Greaves. I must must say, and. Um, when I when I started buying old issues of um, shoot and match, and I sort of started sort of hitting on this 
feature, which occasionally I've got one actually at my feet on the floor at the moment, which is um, from about 1982, 83 or something. And at that point, it was called Straight Shooting from Jimmy Greaves. Um, and um, yeah, you just I couldn't believe the way that he really bluntly just dealt with these people and sort of basically said sorry but you know nothing <laughs> and, but but which kind of wouldn't dress it up much more than that but you sort of think well you know fair enough yeah because all too often in all these kind of letters pages in in these kind of magazines you'd sort of get the the editor or whoever sort of saying well that's a very interesting opinion and um well we'll have to wait and see if you're if you turn out to be right and jimmy greaves was having none of that <laughs> he was just cutting them to the quick it was really good <laughs> it was um, yes I think one of the other features that we, again that we also mentioned in the Backpass article as, as being part of both the best, both the best and the worst of, um, was the adverts you used to get. Um, oh yes. I mean, I used to love them because I mean, some of them were crap, um, and and just you know, I was like, oh yeah, boring. But a lot of them were just for absolute tats that you could buy. I think we covered this. It was like football themed tats, so you could buy like a. I mean, the ones that I specifically remember um, were. You could get like a, it was like a sort of plastic wallet money box type thing, and it was shaped like a football. In other words, it was round, and they printed a football on it, and it was like a kind of, it was like two bits of rubbery plastic in a circle that were kind of joined at the seam, and then you could yeah. squeeze it, and it would open like a mouth, and you could put your coins in it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And again, just absolute tat. And I think these were from yeah. like I think that I think they were mostly in the match because um, I think that was the match shop or something. I think. Like, the official yeah. match outlet, and it was basically a, ton, a bunch of normal stuff, like a toilet roll holder or something, where they slapped a, <laughs> a football sticker on the side of it. It's like you know, yeah. match match toilet roll holder. <laughs> you know, it, there was a certain sense of innocence about it because you just—I don't know. I mean, I think we mentioned this in the article as well—is that nowadays you just feel that the marketing departments are way too savvy to release, not to not to actually release crap like that, because if you go to any club shop online or, or whatever, mm. there's the amount of tat that you can buy is unbelievable. But that's the point, it's all club branded now. You can now buy a club branded toilet roll holder, you know, <laughs> yes. as opposed to just a match one. And it's a bit, it's that sort of sense of innocence of the, the stupid crap that you could buy. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time that we'd look at it as a, as a kid and go, oh yeah, actually, uh, there was that fleeting moment we thought, oh, actually, I quite like that, <laughs> I know, absolutely, yeah, yeah, and um, and the thing is, what I like about the adverts is that you can date wh- when that issue came out just by looking at the adverts. Because I mean, I've, I grabbed literally about half a dozen issues. I've got a fair few, it has to be said, um, out in the garage as we speak, um, and um, it, you just—I've got a cross section from sort of the seventies, early seventies, late seventies, early eighties, um, and basically some of the adverts. I mean brilliant things like if you see an advert for digital watches you know that it's the early 80s um if you go a bit couple of years further on like mid 80s basically what you get then are the pens like the ballpoint pens with a little digital clock at the end (laughs) i used to have one of those not not having been bought from a from shoot that that is but um but you you used to have to press the button at the very end um the non-writing end yes it sort of changed for the date and all that kind of stuff i I took it apart one day and it never worked again (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, again, early '80s, they used to occasionally have adverts for like handheld video games, like little Space Invader games and stuff. Um, the ubiquitous book club—that was pretty much a constant, actually, all the way through. You used to go to sort of usually the inside back page, and you could sort of buy Steve Highway's autobiography and many other wonderful tomes like that. Um, and of course, the classic for me was um, the eight millimeter home movie films of like great games. Um, used to buy usually things like. 
FA Cup finals, European Cup finals and World Cup finals matches. Some with sound, some others uh, not with sound, it has to be said. Um, you you know, take your pick, but they had a pretty good range there. But this was very much the age in the 70s of um, you know, having a, a projector um, at home and uh, that you could kind of bring your friends around and bore them to death <laughs> watching some mute film. Um, so, um, and, and just... And, and that's aside from all the stuff that you just said, like rich, like you know, um, team branded pajamas, team branded <clears throat> duvet covers, team branded pennants, um, money boxes. I mean, it just you know, oh, it just went on and on. <coughs> but you could usually date when it was from just by looking at the adverts. I thought it was superb. I think the one thing that did annoy me actually um, was the fact that because I'm a Coventry fan, as well documented before, um, is the fact that you could never buy anything for Coventry because nobody cared. <coughs> Um, so like all of these adverts where they had club branded stuff would always be Liverpool, Man United, Celtic, um, and and Arsenal, and that was it. Yeah. Um, and I remember Arsenal. one year there was an advert for pajamas, um, and I actually got some. I got some England pajamas, and they were uh, awesome. They were brilliant. Yeah. Really? As long as you stayed Good away Lord. from a fire, you were fine. <laughs> But they were great because, I mean, basically what they were was like a kind of like blue pyjama bottoms, like navy. And then mm. the top was almost identical to an England shirt because it was uh, it was like a kind yeah. of navy v-neck um, and a white shirt. And it had the England badge on it as well. And it wasn't like nowadays yeah. where it would be some crappy St. George's Cross due to copyright reasons. It was the proper England badge. I was well chuffed. You know, I wore them for years. Even when I was 15, they were way too, bit, way too small. Oh, I wasn't really wearing them then. Um, but it's like I mean things like that but again that advert you could get Liverpool Man United um, Celtic and and England and that was it you know yeah. it was like I want some Coventry pyjamas but uh, <laughs> not even the Coventry shop sold those so well, no indeed <clears throat> although but you could probably was... get them now uh, <laughs> don't want them say, now Back in the sort of mid 70s the, the advert would usually be like a hand illustrated um, like advert done in pen and ink um just showing some boy sitting on the edge of his bed kind of and you sort of think at what point would you be tempted to buy say some pajamas or a duvet cover or something just based on a kind of black and white hand-drawn thing but they i bet they probably sold them by the bucket load i tell you well if there's enough suckers like me in the world then yeah they did (laughs) (laughs) um well there was also of course another classic absolute classic feature from shoot was you are the ref which actually i'm surprised wasn't mentioned more by um by uh, you our fantastic listeners you pretty much covered all the other bases but um, strangely enough you are the ref seemed to sort of slip through the net perhaps it's because everyone just assumes that everyone else is going to mention it but um, I, th- I think the other course- thing with that is that and the, possibly one of the reasons is because it disappeared for a long time because when i first mm. got match or shoot because i think it reappeared in shoot again mm. it wasn't in there so I think it had obviously been a big part of it for probably like the late 70s, maybe early 80s. But when I first started buying it, it wasn't in there. And mm. then it kind of made a return. But the weird thing was I could never tell whether it was serious or not because most <laughs> of the ones were ridiculous. It was like kind of you're in the middle of a match. The strike has been fouled. And then some uh, terrorist has run on the pitch and shot someone. And it was like, what? Hang on, this what? And if you read that, for the reference, I don't think that was ever a one. I might have just made that up. But there was one. There was bizarre things like, you know, a dog runs onto the pitch and it's bitten someone. Oh, and it's got rabies. You know, do you take them to the hospital or do you just like shoot them on the pitch or something? You know, the person that's not the dog. You wouldn't hire the dog. And, and it was just, they were so bizarre that I couldn't ever work out whether they were genuine or whether they were kind of satirical or something. And I think they were genuine, but it's, 
I don't know, they were very strange. I think the original ones were a bit more straightforward, but when they came back, they mm. were just weird. But the thing is, because they were a constant really right the way through mm. the 70s pretty much and um, uh, always uh, compiled by Clive Thomas, by the way, and uh, we all know how good he was. Um, ask any Brazilian. Um, yes, and you'll probably get a pretty good answer. Um, but what I used to do was read the, the questions and it would be something like, um, oh, um, you know, a... a uh, throw on has been taken and it hits the back of the referee's head uh, hits uh, rebounds off his head hits the corner flag and then goes off uh, at the end of the pitch do you give a goal kick uh, offside free kick or uh, you know and all this I just uh, scratch my head and think do you know what I think I just, I'm just i going to leave that to the referees to do because I'm never going to be a referee I stand no chance of refereeing any kind of game at all why am I bothering, you know, wasting my time trying to figure this out? It's, it's just a bit like sort of saying, you know, you are a rock climber and you you you, you fall 7,000 feet from the top of a cliff. Do you, A, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that either, so I'm not going to fret over it. So, um, so I never used to sort of persist <coughs> with you are the ref all that much, but I can sort of see the allure. See, nowadays they could replace that with you are a match of the day pundit and it could be things like um, <laughs> you've turned up having done no preparation and can't even pronounce <laughs> Mr. Foreign Player's name, um, do you, A, look like a dick on national TV, B, not care because you're getting paid loads, C, are Alan Shearer? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Which actually covers yeah. A and B, so. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or D, all of the above. <laughs> but that's the great thing, because with you, you're the pundit. You could just, doesn't matter what the referee does in the actual you are the ref, you could just <laughs> criticise him anyway and say that, you know, you aren't the ref. Yeah. But you've got loads of replays from different angles, so just slag him off anyway. <laughs> yes, well, that's a good idea for a football attic book. I think we should just get straight on and do that. I think we um, should. Yeah, <laughs> yes. we, we should have it in a foreword by Alan Shearer. I don't know what the word. Might, I don't, <laughs> do I don't know do what it? the word he'd use would be, but you know. <laughs> uh, dear. A Geordie um, sigh. There were, of course, um, the, the other great feature was in focus which of course we've um, plagiarized uh, hideously for the football attics purposes um, and basically that was just your your standard uh, interview with a football player of the era and um, sort of set questions fairly basic questions um, aside from things like you know full name height weight birthplace and all that you'd have stuff like favorite food uh, as I'm sure is now commonly known amongst all of you and beyond um, yeah real sort of stereotypical cliched sort of questions now but um yeah, I, I just remember actually on that uh, years ago, I used to be involved in a website called Some People Are on the Pitch, and I used to have this sort of feature where every Friday I would upload a, a, a trivia list, but it was it was always deliberately trivial sort of stuff. And um, one week I hit upon the idea of having a list of all the, well, not all the responses, I'd say 23 responses to the question favourite food um, as given in Shoots In Focus feature. So for that, I then went through all my issues that I had at the time. And I was amazed to discover how often that the answer was either steak or steak and chips or steak and salad or something like that. But it was, and of course it's become like a... a, a a meme now that's the that's your standard answer like when you talk about the info focus feature and it's like oh yes steak and chips but i just didn't know that at the time and i had to actually research it myself and, and discovered it of my own volition so um just go show and, and again another another feature that you would absolutely date the issue depending on you know which one you were looking at because in the 70s 
when you get the question favourite actor or actress, it was always either Paul Newman and Robert Redford for the actor or Raquel Welsh usually was uh, or Jane Fonda for the for the sec for the actress and then that kind of as it moves towards the late 70s then Dustin Hoffman starts making more appearances um and then Barbara Streisand I think was another one um and then you get into the 80s and then you kind of get all your sort of um, I'm just trying to sort of think, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone and people like that start coming through. So, again, a great way of gauging the era just by looking at that feature. I always remember as well, there was always a cliche that said all uh, footballers like Phil Collins. And I actually wrote yes. that in the Backpass article. And the funny thing was, is I'd written that. And then the first one I picked up when I scanned in some pictures, uh, I think it was a Peter Beardsley one. And I looked down and the music, Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, there you go, see? Oh, dear. Art, art imitating life. Yeah. Um, is now, yes. Nowadays it would probably be some rapper or something. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Whoever they may be. Some, some um, R&B artiste. <laughs> um, I was just sort of thinking, because somebody did actually um, send us a message on Twitter. I might be able to find it before the, um, the end of the uh, podcast, but somebody actually did sort of say that um, they they essentially said the same sort of thing that you know all those kind of stereotypical answers. It was just sort of you would almost expect it every week if you bought shoot. It's like if somebody doesn't sort of say that Jane Fonda's their fam- favorite actress, then I'm sending this copy back. I'm going to claim a refund. Um, <laughs> and then you had the football funnies, which were cartoons Ugh. that weren't funny a lot of the time. Um, but you know, I suppose they made their effort. But the thing is. Um, again, I'm sort of referring here to certainly the 70s, all the way through the 70s. Quite often, what they did was they'd say, Football Funnies, this week's selection chosen by, you know, I don't know, Peter Bonetti of Chelsea. And I'm thinking, how did that work? Did they basically kind of get the cartoonist to do like a whole book full of cartoons? <laughs> and then they would kind of send it to to, <coughs> to Peter Bonetti's house and sort of with a letter saying, uh, Dear Peter, uh, would you mind please selecting uh, half a dozen of your favourite cartoons from this book? And when you've finished with it, could you then please forward this on to uh, you know, Michael Robinson, Liverpool, or whoever it was? You know, and I just how, how did they manage to do that every week? Get supposedly get players to pick their favourites. I thought, sounds a bit suspicious to me. I'm just sort of to, to thinking they probably just... Mo- most of the jokes in those were written in about 1920, so <laughs> the, I think the actual cartoons were already done a long time ago. <laughs> Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, maybe they just sort of rang up P- Peter Bonetti and just sort of said, look, what we want to do this week is to sort of say that you've chosen six <coughs> cartoons. Is that all right with you? Yes, right, good. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And put the and then they can just kind of move on after that. I'm sure that's how it must have worked. But um, we have actually heard from somebody who used to work for Shoot, by the way. And um, although they didn't address that particular issue, um, maybe we should get back to them and ask them because they might know. Although they were, it was some someone again. I'll try and get the details uh, before the end of the show. Um, somebody I think who worked for Shoot in a more recent era. Um, but um, yes, it was, it was one of the mysteries. It's the, it's the, uh, it was the he was the picture editor for shoot. I think he's now the picture editor for World Soccer as well. Oh right, yes, I do believe. Yes. Uh, it was that. Yeah, it was a letter in response to our backpass article. Um, sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, you just kind of go through <clears> the, all the various things. I mean, yeah, shoot. The thing with shoot was he used to first few pages were devoted usually to some fairly worthy kind of article especially if there was an England v Scotland match coming up they would love to kind of g up some interest in that some rivalry with that or any kind of England international Scottish internationals coming up or whatever uh, any of the British teams they would kind of like to do a preview of those or they would focus on a particular team that's maybe struggling or a player that's struggling um, <clears throat> excuse me before you then got on to the more lightweight sort of um, uh, features like the competitions and the quizzes and all that kind of stuff so um 
that was the kind of format for for shoot really you had your quizzes oh ask the expert that was another one um where they would invite i think this was again a, a mainly a 70s thing but they would get uh readers to send in a question saying and it was usually some really bizarre stuff like some kid would say uh, could you confirm i've been wondering who the goalkeeper was for sunderland in the 1935 fa cup final could you tell me please and then the kind of whoever it was the editor or somebody would sort of say i can confirm that it was in fact uh, jack Woolsey, and he played 400 times for sunderland you think i'm sorry i'm not buying that i'm not buying that there's a kid somewhere who's probably about 10 years old wondering who the sunderland goalkeeper was from about 50 years earlier you know and just I, 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 some of the things you sort of scratch your head and you go hmm is this filler material <laughs> on the part of Surely not. Yeah. No. <laughs> it was like someone made go. the comment, and I, I haven't found it yet, but someone did make the comment as well about the um, finding out that years later that most of the ghost articles written by um, um, uh, uh, football players were apparently that just that, ghost articles not written by them at all. <laughs> no, I always remember as well, actually, shock. one one thing... Um, because um, half my family from Liverpool, we, we, me and my brother had a couple of um, signed photos of the Liverpool squad, and we had one mm. of Ian Rush as well. And I yep. remember being really confused because the signature of Ian Rush on this photo that I had bore no resemblance to the Ian Rush signature <laughs> that was at the end of his articles every week in either, I think it was Shoot Magazine, he had a column in for, for one time. And, and I was just like, Wait a minute. <laughs> one of these is lying. Or the, either that or he'd uh, severely changed it. But the one we had was a rather sort of fancy one. But knowing Ian Rush, I'm assuming the one in shoot was more correct because it was a lot more simple. It was just basically oh, yeah. an X with an, a rush at the end of it. <laughs> <coughs> yes, pretty basic stuff. Um, yes, sorry, the, the person I was referring to, by the <clears> way, a moment ago, was Stevie Green, uh, who very kindly contacted us. Uh, thanks for getting in touch, Stevie. Uh, basically, what he said was... Um, uh, I worked for Shoot until last year. Mightiest publication, now reduced to an online flip mag. Uh, broke my heart to see its decline. Uh, good people there, though, but fighting a losing battle. No money, little influence left, but helped launch my career. So an interesting insight into, into a legendary name on the wane there. So, uh, But thanks again, as I say, Stevie, for letting us know. That's uh, interesting stuff. Um, of course, uh, Shoot has no longer been around since 2008, although it's kind of online now as an app, I think. Uh, you can sort of still get it, but it's, it is a, basically a, a, you know, as a flip mag, an online flip mag, as Stevie said. So, shame and all that. Um, we've got lots of messages about Shoot, but we'll come back to those near the end of the podcast. I thought we'd just maybe switch to Match now. Um, Rich, I mean, I mean the, 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 the comments we've had, we had quite a few comments saying what you sort of touching on what you said earlier on essentially and that is um about the the match stats and the match facts or what, i'm not quite sure what the actual name was because i don't I I think it was match on. facts right okay <clears throat> excuse me um uh, christopher lash uh, on twitter said uh, i used to collect match facts and then made statistics out of them uh, we were burgled once and i sprinted up to my room to see if they'd taken my match facts and luckily they hadn't <clears throat> just go to show <laughs> the world's most nerdy burglars <laughs> Quick, get yes. the collection of match facts. Leave the diamonds. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and Steve Ginman, uh, again on Twitter, said, when Match was first published in 1980, I think it was 79, but we won't quibble about that, um, the way they published the previous weekend stats was as big a revolution <clears throat> as the internet to me, as Shoot was always about six weeks behind. That's a quite an interesting um, comment there. Thanks, Steve. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
Because as I think you said earlier on, Rich, that match was much more comprehensive and seemed to take the whole thing about statistics and match details much more seriously. Um, I can't remember this kind of shoot being that far out of date. I suppose it would have been probably a few weeks out of date with their stats. And, oh, well, uh, actually, one, one thing that they were always really out of date with were transfer news. Because um, oh, right. I remember when I was first into uh, football, sort of going in, because what they did was I think they'd occasionally do like a roundup. Um, yep. And I remember um, going into school and proudly announcing that, oh, yeah, yeah, I see Mickey Adams has gone to Leeds. And mm. he'd actually left about four months before, you know. <laughs> so, well, obviously, I wasn't too up on, on Coventry's squad at the time. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, God. And then it was like, and I was like, what? But it only mentioned it last week. And it was yep. like, I never quite understood what the point of that was because it literally was about three months before. So, what's the point of doing a quarterly roundup of transfers? And again, I suppose it's kind of quaint in itself, isn't it? It's like, oh, let's do this every quarter. Whereas nowadays, you know, the transfer news is is actually on Twitter before it's even happened these days. It was just going to say, yeah, just but the rumor mill is uh, is good enough half the time to to give you the uh, the latest news. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, Andy Murray on Facebook said, "My abiding memory from both." Uh, was that shoot or match ratings for every single player in every game. And then he says, <coughs> how many sports journalists did these magazines have? No wonder they went out of business. Um, he said, I remember Celtic once got badly beaten and most of the team received a 3 out of 10, even though that wasn't an option. <laughs> uh, he said, 4 out of 10 was the lowest if memory serves, which just meant that player was rubbish. So God knows what 3 out of 10 meant. And he said, also, Ken Moncow always got 8 out of 10. Um, yes, must have been a bit of <laughs> undue influence there in the uh, backroom staff at match. Somebody who's probably <laughs> probably his brother or something. Um, and then Wayne Thomas William Garcia on Facebook said, in the UK, the papers always overrate players. For example, often 8 out of 10. Uh, in leading European football mags or, or papers like France Football, Kicker, Marker, L'Equipe and so on, they'd get 6 out of 10. He said 10 out of 10 would require Ronaldo to score a hat-trick and a few assists in a final. So it's an interesting kind of take. Um, thanks, Wayne, for that insight. Um, I was kind of unaware that maybe the English rating system might be slightly skewed <laughs> in favour of the English or British players, at least. But, um, yeah, just, uh, maybe they were you know, taking into account some of the obvious weaknesses in uh, some of the players' skills. I don't know. Um, as far as other features in match concerned... Uh, very grateful to our listeners for highlighting some of them because uh, as an only occasional uh, reader of Match um, there's a lot of stuff that I was unaware of and one thing that's come to light is this feature called Super Boss. Do you remember this, Rich? I have no idea. Well, I think um, I think uh, Kinwa Chung um, from our Facebook actually said that it was from the early 90s so yes. I'd stopped kind of buying Shoot and Match by this point. Although we'll just point out at this point um, Mighty Tractor on Twitter actually said it was called Super Boss. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if that went a bit loud there. <laughs> you could have just said he wrote it in capital letters. That would have no, sufficed. What's, what's the point? Because he didn't just say that. He said super boss. <laughs> oh, God. You just deafened about 22 people, hopefully. Uh, I, might have to, I might have to tweet that in the edit. I'm not actually. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Oh, yeah, that did go quite loud. <laughs> I think it's clicked as well. Never mind. Seen the spike. That's not my fault, um, he but super boss. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway. Uh, but Moving yeah, um, but yeah, could, so yes, cool. Well, yes, I'd never heard of it. I've never heard of that because, like I said, I'd, no. I think I'd stopped buying them in probably about '91. <laughs> I think stopped buying shoot. I stopped buying shoot and match, um, and I think after that, I only ever bought them for uh, the tournament reviews. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I missed that one. But, um, like I say, Kim Wah Chung has actually said, I remember Super Boss, <laughs> um, a featuring match in the early 90s where the reader was put in charge of a side called Manchester United. I <laughs> see what they've done there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> playing fixtures in a British Super League. Oh, actually, yeah, the concept of a Super League was mentioned almost every other week in magazines yes. in those days, wasn't it? Uh, um, yeah. It says, each week you played a real team by answering 10 questions relating to your players in that match, e.g. Manchester's striker Billy Smart, him of the circus, uh, is, on, <laughs> is on the wing against Arsenal's Lee Dixon. Oh, actually, he's a real player. Um, who hey. seems to be tiring. Should Smart A, go down the wing and flight a ball to the far post, B, cut inside and shoot, C, play the ball off Dixon's shins for a corner? You'd then see how many points match gave your choices, then add up your total and phone the corresponding premium rate number. Uh, that's, a, that's an 80s and 90s thing, isn't it? To get yes. your match result. At the time, it was quite exciting and no doubt very costly as well, I would have thought. Yes, that's what you call exploiting this junior readership. Exactly, yes. yeah. But it's all it worth the- it for Super Boss. <laughs> uh, t- Sorry, it's, I won't uh, do that again. No, please don't. I've just gone <laughs> deaf in my left ear. Um, what? Uh, the, the, the actual concept is actually good until you get to the point where you've got to cough up some money for a phone call. <clears throat> uh, but it's actually quite um, quite an original creative thing. That I thought that's... Uh, but thanks anyway, Cunwell, for, for telling us about that. And um, uh, just going back to the whole match facts thing as well. Uh, we re- received... Uh, uh, a message from our good friend and indeed uh, a guest on our last podcast, the aforementioned John Devlin, who, who on Facebook said that uh, his overriding memories of both uh, shoot and match is the dilemma that he faced in the news agents over which one to buy, which I think a lot of us share that experience. Um, he said it was a real luxury to buy both, so you had to kind of weigh up the qualities of both. He said, for a long time, shoot was unchallenged, but then match arrived. Uh, uh, it, when it did so, it instantly became a big challenge. I think it was, I think match was relaunched in the mid '90s, and that was when it really overtook, properly overtook shoot. Although uh, I think for both of us, uh, Rich, we were probably sort of had moved on from from buying match by that point. But um, anyway, <coughs> so he goes on to sort of say, um, uh, pack, It was packed with match was packed with lots more color photos, and it scored highly for any kit devotee plus. The match facts section, which was originally designed to be removed and housed in a special binder. He said it was ideal if you're into lineups and stats. Um, and uh, basically, I, I was unaware of that. I think that was when, it, as he said, when it first started, it was a sort of detachable section. Um, but I think we've uh, somebody actually then confirmed that, actually corroborated that, and sort of yeah, said yes, me. that. Oh, it was you. It was me. Who yeah. you again? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, because I remember that. I, I used to be able to buy the binders. Uh, they were kind yes. of like a, quite an elaborate. Um, from what I remember, the ones that I used to see were um, like a kind of uh, that sort of fake leather look, sort of like usually a red color, oh, yes. sort of with an embossed match logo in gold down the side. They were quite posh, actually. But I think they I, were like I had- twelve ninety nine or something. They weren't cheap. Yeah, I had those for um, World Soccer magazine, actually. I went through a few years where I was buying those. And, yeah, exactly as you described, sort of wine, like a burgundy colour. Yes, With gold. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yes. I think Very there was nice. only one binder supplier during the 80s. And that was the <laughs> only right. colour they had. <laughs> um, but uh, And then it kind of goes on, uh, John, to sort of say that... Um, he basically he was the one who basically said he was dis- disappointed to find out many years later that many of the celebrity football writers didn't actually write their columns. Shock horror, yes. Mm. Um, but he said that's the thing I miss most about these mags: sensible, good writing rather than the constant jokey approach of modern football mags. Well, that's that's another discussion well, entirely. As you'll say, well, this is the thing because, like I say, I still actually buy 
tragically, I still actually buy Match Magazine now when there's tournaments on. Because I still oh. buy the weekly roundups they do. Well, what they used to, Shoot used to do a tournament review, um, mm. which was, like I say, what first attracted me to it. Um, and it was like a kind of 16 page pullout in the middle of the magazine, which covered the whole of the World Cup. And they did that for all the tournaments. So they did, I don't think I got Euro 88's one, actually. I probably did have it at the time and then obviously gave it away because I gave all, well, chucked all my shoot and match magazines out. But, you know, I've mm. been to therapy for that. Um, <laughs> and then I think they did one for um, World Cup 90 and then they did it for the Euro 92. And then when it came to uh, USA 94, they didn't do it. What they did do is they started doing it every week. And so mm-hmm. you'd have, like, every week you'd have that week's roundup of matches. Yeah. And it was always kind of a bit weird because, obviously, because it was print media and not the internet, it was always a bit behind again. So yes. you'd be reading a week ago's matches from the previous week. So it was a bit strange. And the, the weird thing I remember is I missed the issue um, that should technically have covered the first, the opening match of USA 94. Mm-hmm. And I, but the funny thing, I don't actually know if they ever did cover that match. So it's like they've covered this whole tournament apart from the opening match, unless they covered that in one particular issue. I don't know. Um, so, like I say, but even now, obviously, shoot doesn't exist, but match have picked up that baton uh, and they yeah. still do um, the tournament uh, reviews on a weekly basis. And the funny thing is, is that um, I think for the World Cup in 2010. It was it was kind of still really childish. It was very, um, you know, literally about three words of a review of the match, and mm. then a massive picture, and then some kind of cartoon crap at the bottom. But <laughs> for the Euro twenty twelve, it was actually pretty good. They'd kind of gone back to bit, taking it a bit more seriously. Um, yeah, which which made a change because the rest of the mag is still a heap of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I mean, I've I've made this point for years. It's like. When I was a kid, I I kind of liked some of the, you know, I didn't, like I said, I preferred shoot over match because it was a bit less boring, but yeah. I still wanted to read. I still wanted to find yeah. out information, whereas now, I mean, if you buy Match Magazine now, it is literally, it's like an assault on the senses. I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like an old man here, but I do. Yeah. But it's like, um, I mean, it's literally like kind of wall-to-wall crap cartoons, um, massive headlines, advertising features dressed up as articles, um, and it's just the actual content of the magazine is so low. I mean, if you look back at um, shoot magazines, I mean, I think I did this because uh, one of the things we did in the Backpass article was we mentioned the fact that everything seems to be an advert nowadays. And actually, there was mm. a lot of adverts back in um, shoot and match in the day, you know, when we would have bought it as children. It's not like it's, it's a new phenomena. Um mm. But I don't know. It just, I just nowadays it just seems like they they've dumbed it down to the point where they seem to think that kids want just nothing but bright colours flashed in front mm. of their eyes. Oh, and I'm yeah. sure some people do, but you know, I think they, I think they actually misunderstand their readership. I think they don't give them enough credit. Kids are actually smarter than they seem to think they are, and yeah. don't need a bunch of cartoons and you know, match man or whatever the hell that sh- rubbish cartoon was <laughs> that they had. Um, Yes, I, I don't know. I mean, much of that said, uh, I think um, one of the comments that I did like, um, I'm going to try and find it now. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, James Wellham. Uh, no, not sorry, not James Wellham. Uh, actually, uh, it was Miles McLagan, uh, the Sky Strikers on Twitter, who mentioned bloody DJ Panda, the panda of peace. 
Now, I remember him. He was in Match magazine in the late 80s. And, yeah, he was a twat. <laughs> and his, his okay. comment is, I uh, think I saw him have balls kicked at his head by Colin O'Neill once. And basically, he was this kind of guy who dressed up in a panda suit. And obviously, he was a cartoon panda in the magazine. And I think yeah. he went around. And, it, and the, the intention was good. You know, he's obviously the panda of peace. And he was there to promote harmony and that. But it was just, it just felt so overdone. And it felt really patronising as well. I mean, I'm, I'm no doubt the sort of younger kids would have probably liked it because he was a cute panda. Although he wasn't that cute. <laughs> He had a smug face, trust me. Um, and but and, and it's just, like I say, when I came back to Match years later to get these tournament things and they had Match Man, which was this irritating mm. little brat, you know. Cartoon just, kid. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've rambled enough about that. But yeah, basically everything today is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the book. Po- oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, what little I've seen of the modern day Match magazine, I've... I, you know, I think let's put it this way: your views are entirely justified. It's just it's too garish and crude and in your face. And um, as you quite correctly said um, it does discredit to kids uh, of the uh, of the present era. I think they do want to read, and they don't need to kind of have everything <coughs> broken down into bite-sized chunks on the basis that they've supposedly not got very much of an haven't got much of an attention span. Um, I think what anyway. it does as well. That's just one last point. I think what it hmm. does as well is it kind of adds to that feeling of hype. That I was moaning about in my in my sort of Christmas message recently, um, it yeah. just it kind of contributes to it. And I know they're doing it because they obviously they've got to sell. And in a in a world where you've got the internet, you're gonna be you're gonna be really struggling for readership, I suppose. But it just mm. I don't know. It's just almost like this. It's like this hero worship as well of footballers, which. I don't know. I don't. I don't recall having that as. I mean, it's like nowadays. I mean, the the concept of using the word hero in in terms of football just annoys the hell out of me in the first place. You know, mm. I mean, hero is one of those words that's becoming grossly distorted in what it means. You know, yeah. but using it in any sense for a footballer is just a gross misuse of the word. But it's like this is this is all you get these days. It's like kind of oh yeah, we've got this like you know twenty pictures of Ronaldo, your full color pullouts, and it's like yeah okay, we always had posters and that. But nowadays it's there's just no content. Oh, I'm just going to shut up now. <laughs> I am just I think ranting. You, you get the general idea. Um, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> well, I mean, um, time is cracking on. We've got a bit of time left, but bef- what basically we've got loads of messages. We've still got to re- read out all about shoot and match. So we'll come back to those in a moment. But before we do that, we just wanted to kind of, kind of quickly sort of um, crowbar in um, a few mentions of other magazines. I think we're going to have to certainly do uh, another podcast in the future about magazines that aren't shoot and match because there were a few we've had a few lovely comments the aforementioned wayne thomas william garcia on facebook said um, world soccer was the one i used to annoy my news agent with daily is it in yet um the only source to find out about euro footy and south america young ones these days are so spoilt all at a few swipes of an ipad um all uh, albanian or honduras leagues if they want uh, not forgetting VHS recordings, if goal roundups. Um, who else did that? He says. Um, um, I must admit, yeah, World Soccer. I remember getting into World Soccer and discovering it in uh, seeing it in a W. H. Smith's near to where I lived back in about 1985, and thinking, "Ooh, what's this?" Seems like a kind of football magazine aimed at your more mature kind of kids, to say nothing of adults. And um, and I remember thumbing through to the back of the issue and seeing all these 
basically like match facts, basically, but for international matches involving teams I'd never even heard of. And I think I bought it on the spot purely on the basis of that. So, um, yeah, very exciting World Soccer was at the time. I and mean, I'm sure we'll have to do a, a podcast purely about that um, in the future. Maybe we'll come back to that. But um, we also heard from Kevin Bell, who said um, Billy's Boots in Tiger magazine. Uh, then he got transferred over to Roy the Rovers alongside Hotshot Hamish. Uh, now, my two good friends, Terry DeFellon and Graham Sibley, have regaled me with um, stories about um, Billy's boots um, in the past. Uh, I think he's basically a character who, um, when he put on these special boots, uh, he suddenly turned into this kind of hotshot striker of some sort. Um, uh, and and um, <laughs> basically they sort of said, you know, because the feature ran for so many years, you sort of start to wonder further down the line you think do those boots still fit him or is he a kid that doesn't grow up and what's what, are the, what is the sinister undertone of this feature but um, I must admit I never used to buy Tiger magazine so it passed me by a bit and um, Hotshot Hamish I heard about also much much um, more recently as well so um, if you've read either of those or if you're a fan of either of those let us know and get in touch we'll be giving you all the details later on um, and um, Scott on Twitter at um, Clone Jack said uh, always loved Scoop uh, remember, they would give a free badge, a football-shaped one, uh, where you could change the player picture if you wanted. And I found a picture of Scoop, or maybe it was Scott that sent it to us. Apologies, uh, Scott, if that was the case. And I'm sort of stroking my chin now, thinking, I don't remember Scoop. I don't really remember seeing it in the shops, but it looks certainly very credible and looks like it would have been around for a while. So um, did you know of Scoop, Rich? I didn't, but I have some, because... Um... Ah. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think now. I, I do apologise. It was it was either Jimmy from the glove bag or oh, I honestly can't remember. I feel so bad about that. He sent me a load of issues because they had some Coventry <laughs> City stuff in it, and I, I keep meaning to review them. I'm I keep meaning to review a lot of things and never get round right to it. Um, so yes, I will actually do a feature on those at some point on the blog because I, I got sent some issues. Um, yeah, uh, it's, so it's either Rob Stokes or. Um, Jimmy from the glove bag. I'm sorry, I, sorry guys, I can't remember if it, which one. If it was, was you, if it was you, Rich yes. is very grateful. Yes, I am very grateful. No, because they were they were really good. But I'd never ever heard of it because I think it was from the late seventies or from hmm. the seventies, and I think it finished. Well, I don't know if it was still going, but I, I think it finished before. Well, I don't know actually because some of the Cove City things. It might late seventies, early eighties. I don't think it was around when I was when I first got into football. Um, hmm. But yeah, I have seen it, and it actually again, it was I think it was more of a sort of um, comic based um, magazine mm. rather than yes. a, rather than sort of factual. It actually looked pretty good, and it, and again, you know, kind of was actually not patronising to its readers, but you know, hmm. um, and yeah. one actually, I I did actually get Roy the Rovers for a while, but I also got Gary Lineker's Hot Shot, which came out <laughs> in the sort of late eighties. And I, I think it was heavily sponsored by Quasar, who were the boots that he was wearing uh, at the time. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so there's me going on about adverts in modern day things. That was a whole magazine based <laughs> on selling you things. <laughs> Quasar, Quasar, Quasar on every single page. Yeah. Um, Quasar, there's loads of other well known brand. Yeah, well, that's right. That's yeah, taking the world by storm. Um, there were loads of other magazines as well. Uh, we mentioned Roy the Rovers. There's 442. Obviously, Goal was uh, one that I know people have spoken about on Twitter in the past. Um, sort of arrived, uh, what was that, probably mid mid to late 60s, I think. It was pre preempted um, Shoot a little bit. And I think Shoot effectively swallowed it up and it became part of Shoot eventually. Um, 90 Minutes Football Monthly. We'll have to deal with all those in a future podcast and we'll sort of deliberately not talk about shoot and match for that one so um we'll get back to you on that so we'll come back to that but um with time running out rich and we've had loads of 
um, comments from people uh, about shoot and match. Let's go through some of them, shall we? Yeah, um, I mentioned his name earlier and then I wrongly attributed something to him, so I'll read <laughs> his actual quote uh, from James Wellham. He said he always liked Ray of the Rangers and the yeah. uh, perhaps rather a Twitter of the Week feature in Greaves' letter page, which is what we mentioned earlier. Obviously, they changed yes. the name of that at some point. Uh, he said also back then they actually acknowledged the existence of football outside the top flight, which they did because they used to cover yeah. the lower leagues um, quite a bit, really. Not again, you know, kind of as much as. Uh, you'd have probably wanted if you're a follower of the lower league stuff but they did actually cover it whereas of course now nothing exists outside the premiership apparently yes so they say yes yes. I was just going to say HMS Baz on Facebook said uh, some great memories here used to watch for the paperboy highlight of the week shoot and match every week started in 1976 till 1995 he said uh, just spent the guts of 300 pounds throughout the year buying shoot collections from 1970 to 76 total treasure still collecting pieces from 95 onwards etc and um, I know we got an, uh, in, amongst uh, the messages we got from uh, John Devlin uh, he also said he, I think he's, he's thinking about possibly selling his collection he's got a huge collection by the sound of it that would be an absolute boon to anybody's collection if they uh, Snap that up, I'm sure. Me too, right? Uh, Daniel uh, Luzniki, uh, 2008. I hope I pronounced that right. I don't really care, actually. <coughs> uh, he says uh, adverts in the back of magazines for Steve Earl football programs. Ah, no, he, I, yes. Yes, I've written an article about that a long time ago, actually. I think it was one of yeah. our first articles on the Attic. Uh, it says, I once bought a bargain bundle from him, 100 programs for £10, after seeing his advert in Shoot. Pleased to see that he's still selling programs. Yeah, he is. He's still still very much yep. alive. Still using That's the same it. logo as well. <laughs> yes. Um, which actually, to be honest, if, if you've not actually heard of Steve Earl programs, you probably will recognise the logo. Yes. Um, yeah. So go and read my article on The Attic. Well- We'll try, and put a, we'll try and put a link up on our blog post when the podcast is available and you can go and have a look at that. It's an excellent article. It's not. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is. All right, then it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we've heard from the Football Pink on Twitter who said, if I remember correctly, did Shoot do an April Fool's Day story about Ian Rush signing for Everton? Uh, the front cover had Rush in an Everton shirt. Yes or no? Well, I'm pleased to say that we've managed to confirm that. I think you uploaded that, didn't you, Rich? That picture. I did. First uh, of April, 1989. That's exactly it. And uh, to which Steve Gabb, or better known as Mirko Bollison on uh, Twitter, said that joke worked as well. He said, uh, "No way in hell a magazine could do that today in the internet age. It's a pity." Uh, to which the football pink then went on to say. Um, I'll admit to being fooled by that for, uh, for until the page seven reveal. He said, you're right, the story would fail instantly today. So just goes to show the power of these magazines back in the pre-internet days. There were so many people reading them. Exactly, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, shame, eh? But, you know, that's, well, <laughs> that's, that's the internet for you. Damn this internet with it, with his bloggers and podcasters his, on it. <laughs> yeah, with his instant information. <laughs> I like this one actually. Um, I'm, I, this is a, a yeah. David or Daffid. I don't know how to pronounce that. Daffid. Uh, um, so focus <laughs> on Michael Robinson's ambition was to play for England. He then won twenty four caps for Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I see. That's the worst thing when you get interviewed for the focus on feature and shoot because whatever you say, it's just there. It's, it's, it's there for all eternity. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty other. Plenty of other gaffes like that um, hidden through the archives if you look for them. Excellent stuff. Um, uh, Scottish Footy Cards had a lovely chat with them on uh, Twitter. Uh, Hello to you. Um, Basically what they said, what they did with Shoot, where you get the team pictures... 
Um, they've recently written an article on their website. We'll, again, we'll try and see if we can put a link up for, for that because it was excellent. Apparently what they used to do uh, was um, cut out the faces from the team pictures and then they would put the faces and stick them onto um, card and again, kind of cut them out. So all the all the things were individual. And then basically you'd have an alternative to Subutio whereby you'd pick up one of the cards, one of the players, and it would have the name of the player below it and they would like flick a ball, usually a ball from something like um, you know, Subutio or Striker or something like that. And they would basically make up a game of their own using images from Shoot, from the team pictures, as an alternative to Subutio. And um, they described it beautifully. And I mean, basically, um, the, the deal was that you'd actually get to know the players for a particular team on that basis because you'd kind of pick up a bit of card and sort of go oh who's this so oh, this is uh sandy jardine for rangers okay well i'm going to flick the ball here and oh okay and now it's gone over to ali mccoist um oh, i've never heard of him but okay and so it would go on and you'd actually familiarize yourself with players that were playing at the year and it sounds absolutely brilliant um and scottish footy cards said that they're actually going to try resurrecting the game and they're going to blog about it which will be absolutely fantastic so just want to say thanks scottish footy cards for telling us all about that and uh, we look forward to seeing your uh, your blogging of uh, of the events that unfold excellent yeah that'd be cool um stewart stewart 1874 on twitter said i had the first ever shoot with bobby moore on the front cover he was first columnist i think second was alan ball and yeah. first one was a shilling I yep. think uh, I think so. I had to give up my regular Victor delivery. Couldn't have both <laughs> every week. Uh, he says, as a Scottish Hearts supporter, there was always great excitement if a Hearts team photo or player Q&A appeared. Because no internet and less TV coverage, it was where I got my football knowledge, apart from match programmes. Yeah, um, there you go. And one thing I was going to mention, actually, because he's mentioned about the team photos, was that was another thing that I really loved in, in shoot, and I think Match did them as well, I'm pretty sure, was the uh, team photos that you used to get. So yes. every week in match, there would be a team photo, uh, and it would be like a full-color double spread. And I, I believe when I was about 11 or 12, my wall uh, in my bedroom was basically full of those. Um, <laughs> so I'd have loads of different teams on the wall. It was just it was just great because they, you know, it, and I'm forgetting again, of course, that this is an age where not everything was in full colour. You know, most mm. of, you know, there was a few colour pages in each of these magazines. It's not like, not like nowadays with your colour, you know, it was back <laughs> in the black and white days when the whole world was black and white. Um, <laughs> so it was great to get, you know, the sort of full colour page. And like I say, and, and, but the funny thing is, similarly to Panini, where you would um, usually get a, uh, like all the English teams would have like their f- a whole sticker per player and then your yeah. Scottish ones would have to share you'd usually <laughs> get in shoot you'd have a centre spread which was a team and then on the back was either a Scottish team or a lower league team and they'd just get you know the back cover so mm. they'd only have one Yes, another bit of shameful uh, behaviour on the part of the publishers there, I have to say. Um, but I did the same thing. I, I also, when I was a kid, there was, a, again, probably early 80s, um, there came a point where we ended up with a spare bedroom at home because my sister moved out. She was a bit older than me. She went off to get married and stuff. And so um, I moved into the bigger bedroom, which is a spare bedroom. Um, but my mum and dad weren't in a particular hurry to kind of decorate it. It was a bit sort of shabby by that stage, but... Basically, they said, "Look, if you want to pin things up on the wall, just crack on and you know help yourself. We're, you know, not going to bother us." So, I went through a phase of doing the same as you. I used to buy a shoot, and when there was a double page team picture in the middle pages, I used to 
delicately detach it from the staples and then I pin them up on the wall like brickwork fashion uh, to cover the wall I didn't get very far with uh, doing the whole wall but I did get quite a few in the end so um, yes I'm sure that's perhaps a, a common experience amongst many people um, uh, what else we've got oh yes uh, oh, I was just going to say about Victor magazine was that Victor was that one of those like a comic about sort of uh, war stories and things like that is I that think right? it was I think I had an issue of that once I'm sure I had an issue of that um, I think yeah. one one week it was had some free gift given away with it, like a space spinner or Gun. something. That's all <laughs> it was. It looked quite good. Well, I think I was about to sneeze then. Excuse me. I might <laughs> I'll carry on then. Ah. Well. <laughs> Excuse Bless you. me. It could be worse. It could be saying soccer boss. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dear. Um, Andy Evans, thank you for getting in touch with us uh, on Twitter. He said, I loved buying their bumper summer magazines with pictures of new kits and rumours of new signings. It was very exciting. Yep, got plenty of shoot annuals here and uh, one or two match ones as well, I think. Yep, all very good. Thanks, Andy. Actually, can I just be controversial at this point and say that shoot annuals were crap? <laughs> yes, I think we may have covered this before, but yeah, they were yeah, a, a, I'm saying at times. Again, they were, they were rubbish. Absolute crap. <laughs> Well, they used, to, they used to throw in things like crosswords and quizzes and things just to kind of pad it out a bit. And um, yeah, it was um, they had to kind of go back through the archives and, and sort of think, hmm. So when we spoke to Kevin Keegan last month, is there, is there any part of that interview that we didn't use? Can we just put that in? <laughs> there actually, one thing, one thing I did really like, actually, speaking of like um, the summer editions, was the, the Christmas edition that they'd have, which was usually, and I know Match was definitely, uh, it was always a double issue. Um, I don't know if it ran for two weeks uh, or if it was literally they'd just give you like a, a, a you know twice the thickness issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if Shoot did it so much, but um, Match certainly did in, in the late 80s when I used to collect it. Their Christmas issue was like a bumper issue and it was, um, like I say, it was about twice the, the size of the normal one. And it always, always had um, some footballers dressed as Santa Claus <laughs> Santa. and a snowman or something like that on the yes. front. And I just that's another thing you wouldn't really get today, apart from, uh, is it Man City that have that horrendous advent calendar with the oh, people reading out the words like they're being forced at gunpoint? Um, <laughs> I don't and, know. And you just, it's funny because, like, in, in, you know, I suppose in the protecting the players' image and that, you just, I don't know, again, that felt like it was from a more innocent time when footballers would be regularly humiliated by having to dress up as things. <laughs> yes. Happened all the time in the 70s, I tell you. It was just, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, dear. Um, and on the subject of shoot, I think one more specifically um, from Quest No Shadow on Twitter who said, In Portugal, I was about 14 in 88 and was amazed with some giant posters of the full Liverpool squad the first time I bought it. So that kind of tallies up with the whole thing about team pictures and the like. Um, on Match Magazine, Rich? Oh, no, no, what have we got? You're, you're making me switch tabs now, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, Dave Nicholas said, briefly becoming a minor celeb at school when Match printed my letter about a Kevin Ratcliffe shot hitting me on the head. We, we seem to have discovered everybody that ever had a letter printed in Match, haven't we, I think, on this. <laughs> Actually, one stuff. thing that quite a few people, uh, Mark Taylor and Andrew Rockall, um, both remembered there being flexi discs on the cover, yeah. uh, featuring interviews with the likes of Hoddle and Keegan. And I don't know if you found the picture, and I think... Um, it was sent I to us, I think, by Mark. Yes, it was, yeah. And someone actually managed to find a yeah. picture of it. Uh, yes. But he says I still have them somewhere, and the needle tended to skip off them fairly quickly. <laughs> I had, I had a flexi disc once, that, which was um, it was from Tizer. Uh, you could send off for it. <laughs> Back in the days, actually, I was going to say one thing about adverts today is that, is that children nowadays will never know the phrases uh, like you know check or postal order. Um, <laughs> Allow twenty eight uh, days for delivery. That's the other one I was going to say. Yeah, the twenty eight days for delivery as well. Yeah. 
Um, and it meant it as well, didn't it? It actually yeah. meant 28 days. Yes. Um, <coughs> but yes, I had a Tizer Flexi disc, which was very strange. It had Roland Rat and Ronald Reagan impressions on it, you know, kind of data <laughs> maybe there. Uh, but yeah, yeah Andrew Rockall also said, Oops. Match gave away a Flexi disc record with a quiz on it. Hoddle, Peter with, and stretching my memory, I think, Alan Kennedy with the contestants, hosted by Mike Ingham. It was a three-parter, and the discs were coloured seven inches. So three parts to it. (laughs) Sounds horrendous. Um, Mike Ingham, as we know, senior football correspondent for uh, BBC Radio. Um, He's actually got that on his business cards and will probably be on his tombstone, I should think. But uh, (laughs) yes, good old Mike Ingham. Um, Yeah, and again, another interesting kind of quite creative bit of marketing there, putting a flexi-disc. I mean, who wouldn't want to buy a magazine that had a flexi-disc on the front? It's genius. Uh, But anyway, anyway, thanks, uh, Mark and Andrew, for that uh, that, uh, dual... Uh, remembrance of the flexi discs. Um, here's an interesting one as well. Talking about features in the magazines, uh, Duncan A. Woods. Uh, he's got in touch with us and said, "I used to love the cannon strip in Match." He said, "I was always drawing pictures of men in tight shorts and nailed Chris Waddle once." That would put you in touch with Jay from Design Football. He was a, he was into thighs, wasn't he? <laughs> I don't think he's nailed Chris Waddle though. <laughs> Well, who has? Let's be honest. Um, but he, he went on to say that uh, loved match and shoot, but I can't separate my actual memories from what I've read recently on football nostalgia sites. Uh, miscellaneous dislikes. This is the focus on thing that I was talking about earlier on. He says, uh, uh, always smoking and rude people. Favourite meal would be steak and lager. <laughs> Musician George Benson. So that's kind of, we're talking mid-80s there, I'm guessing. He said, I'm sure the original George Benson, Phil Collins, Steak and Chips, Minder, Forty Towers, etc. recollections were all mine. Um, yes. Nope. They... <laughs> well, I was going to say, you. well, they weren't just all his. Yeah, they, they, that was very common. common. They were all the same. Yes. So thanks, Duncan, for your views on that. And uh, finally, I think on match, we've got um, yeah. Rude Hullet sitting on a shed, which is still a great name. Um, <laughs> it says, I used to love match. Feel free to refer to my article below, because he wrote right. an article for us once. Uh, I fondly remember a Roy of the Rovers strip in Shoot, which featured an appearance from Brazilian legend Lepe. <laughs> now, see, Lepe, that sounds to me like a kind of player name that used to get on um, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer when they would... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, spelt L-E-P-E, in case you haven't quite figured out what that's an anagram of. Uh, but, um, yes... Um, uh, Rude Hullet sitting on a sofa. Um, Luke Constable from that wonderful site. Um, he wrote an article for us uh, back in September 2012. And again, we'll try and put the link to that as well because uh, he reviewed an old 1997 issue of Match. So there we go. I think, Rich, I think we've finally got to the end of all of the comments that we've got. I mean, I think I we have, yeah. Can't thank you enough for that astonishing response. Clearly, shoot and match are held in the highest esteem from, uh, by all of you. Some some wonderful memories there, and thanks for pointing out some of the things that we either didn't know about or had forgotten. Um, just a terrific response. So, thank you for that, and um, we owe you one. Uh, I'm not sure one of what, but we owe you one of something. We uh, owe you your... a podcast. Oh, here you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, there you go. We've just done it. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Excellent. Well. Um, I think we're, what are we at? We're standing at uh, one minute, sorry, one hour 14 there. So we probably ought to be wrapping up fairly soon. Uh, Just to say, um, basically, Happy New Year to all of you. We uh, hope to be bringing you more podcasts during 
2014 and we hope you'll be visiting thefootballattic.com for loads more football nostalgia memories of uh, various different kinds if you want to get in touch with us if you want to send us some more memories about uh, uh, shoot or match or indeed anything else uh, there are places you can get in touch with us basically as I said the blog site www.thefootballattic.com on twitter it's twitter.com forward slash football attic and on facebook it's facebook.com forward slash the football attic uh do drop us a line we'd love to hear from you um meantime um, we'll be hopefully bringing you another podcast soon not sure what it will be about at this stage but uh watch the skies you'll find out soon enough uh, rich any message before we go <laughs> Um, no, not really. Um, just um, at some point in the near future, I will get around to reviewing uh, the Six Stickers book, which is the book who I've just forgotten the author of. Apologies. <laughs> I might Six try and stickers. dub it in afterwards. Yeah, it's about um, someone who thought they completed, their, I think it's their um, Merlin Premier 96 football album. Um, and actually then years later discovered that they didn't. They had six stickers left. And so what ah. they did was they then decided to go and uh, track down the actual players and get <laughs> photos of them now. Um, I have started reading it because... Um, <clears throat> Adam, Adam Carroll Smith. That's the one. Sorry, I do apologise, Adam. Um, and it, I've started reading it already. If I can actually have more than five minutes to read a book, I'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> and it is, even in the first few pages, it, it looks really, really good. So I'll be reviewing that. But not only that, we've actually got five copies to give away. <gasps> oh, so, excellent. So uh, when I get Competitions. my in gear, that will be up on the site. <laughs> That's, that's something to pencil in for next Christmas, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes, I do uh, apologise for my, my tardiness. <laughs> oh, well, that's something for you to look forward to. Uh, meantime, thanks, everybody, once again for your uh, participation in this excellent podcast that I'm sure, Rich, you've enjoyed as much as I have. And, um, well, we hope to be back with you again sometime soon. So until next time, from myself and from Rich, it's goodbye. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.